So I'm convinced um, that God wants to do something more than what we allow him to do in our everyday personal lives. You know, there's something of the fire of God, of the power of God, of the presence of God, of the light of Christ that we experience when we gather like this in a place of worship. But God wants you to experience it every single day that you live. And the problem is we've made such polished expressions of church presentation that it's kind of confused people how I could walk that out. But really, that's not what any of this is about. It's about something waking up on the inside of you so that you're discerning what God's desiring to do every step of every day. Walk by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. So I want to challenge you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus, grow deeper in your relationship with the Father, and grow deeper in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I was watching the uh, the Send last night as I was watching this massive stadium filled with people crying out to God. And all these different leaders standing up there just challenging everyone to pray and go deeper. Um, it was just amazing. As Tracy and I were just, she had it on her phone and I had it on my phone. And we were just laying in bed watching and just saying, Lord, more, more, more. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, the Holy Spirit is about to make a major comeback in the body of Christ. Come on, I believe. <laughs> I believe it's really important that we let God be who God wants to be. And uh, he wants to stir some things within our hearts. So I want to challenge you to go deeper during these three weeks ahead. We're going to go into a study and an understanding of the book of Galatians. It's six chapters. I'm going to talk to you about the basis of the history and context of that uh, in two chapters at a, a time for three weeks. And I don't, I, I'm going to tell you the layout that I'm going to bring. And it's not because I saw that in Scripture, but because I heard that from the Lord. And when I was praying, Lord, what do we do in these three weeks' time? I knew we were to really focus in on this book. But we're going to focus in on mercy, grace, and love. And when you look at the theme of the book, you don't necessarily see that progression of the, of the theme of the book. But I feel that's what the Lord's wanting to reveal as we explore the very nature of God. How many know every book in the Bible is divinely purposed by God to reveal something of his nature for all of us to understand so that we become more like Christ? So I want to ask you to read the book of Galatians over and over over these three weeks. Will you do that? Will you commit to seek him so that he'll be found in your life? How many of you will commit? I will read the book of Galatians over and over. I mean, I really want to ask you. I want to challenge you. And don't just, don't just spin the plate, so to speak, while you're reading. You understand? Pause. Turn on some worship music. Light a candle. Whatever you need to do to get in the mood. And invite the Holy Spirit into those moments where he begins to reveal the very nature of God through the book of Galatians, and I want to try and equip you for that. The book of Galatians, fully known, fully loved, here it is, nothing more. Fully known, fully loved, nothing more. That's it. And this, this is what the whole book of Galatians is all about. Um, let me describe the, the three concepts we'll look at. Mercy, grace. What's the difference between mercy and grace? You're not saved by mercy, you're saved by grace. So mercy is the alleviation of what we deserve. How many of you are thankful you don't get what you deserve when it comes to God? <laughs> That's mercy. Grace is the application of what Jesus deserves. Mercy is the alleviation of what we truly deserve. Grace is the application of what Jesus deserves. Jesus deserves glory, honor, strength, life, anointing. I mean, he deserves all those things. That's the application of what he deserves to your life is the grace. Somebody say, thank God for his grace. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. And then strength 
is because of his mercy and grace, God's abilities then get released in our lives so that other people can em- embrace mercy, grace, and the strength of God. So that's where we're going to go. The motivation for the book of Galatians is pretty simple. But there were these Jewish Christians. You know, Jesus came and disrupted the, the order of Phariseeism of his day, if you will. And, um, and these were individuals then that came to know Christ. And there were also Gentile Christians, Gentiles who weren't Jews who became Christians, followers of Christ. And the Jewish Christians started telling the Gentile Christians, yes, it's all about Jesus, but there are other things that really make you spiritual if you'll obey the law. In other words, salvation doesn't just come through Christ, but salvation comes through Christ and some application of the Old Testament law. This was a real problem in Paul's day, and so he was trying to address this. There was one kingpin issue that they seemed to be uh, bringing up over and over, and that was the issue of circumcision. And they wanted to make sure that these Gentiles becoming Christians, that they were actually submitting to circumcision, even as adult males, that they told them they should go through this process, and if they didn't do that, then coming into worship, you know, they were not quite as spiritual. How many of you, thank God we've been set free? How many of you men in the room? Let me hear some testosterone. Amen. (laughs) So this is an interesting thing because like Paul goes on later in the book, when you're reading, you'll find, and why he says this is exactly what I'm describing to you, because Paul goes on in the book and he says, look, if that's the way you feel, if it makes you holy to carve off the end of the skin, then go ahead and just chop the whole thing off and really be holy before God. Okay, that's actually in the Bible. When you read that, that's what he's referencing, these Judaizers that are trying to make a point of something that God didn't make a point of. And we tend to do that in the church world. Would you agree? We tend to make points out of things that Jesus, I don't think, is all that concerned with many times. We get all worked up about our little pet doctrines, and God's wanting to liberate us from that uh, and alleviate that in our lives so that people don't get confused. They insisted, they were insisting these Gentile converts would abide by this. And so here, Paul to the Galatian church, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. I'm astonished that you're turning to a different gospel, he says. This is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this letter, six chapters that we've divided it into, to address this very important issue that you are fully known, you are fully loved, nothing more. No added legalism required. No added do this or don't do this required. You're fully known, you're fully loved, nothing more. That's very beneficial for you to obey God's word. You really want to have an amazing life. You really want to experience true life, true revelation of God's kingdom being awakened within your home, within your family, within your heart. Then obey God's word. It releases something profound that expresses his kingdom. But do not think for a second that that's a requirement for you to know Christ. So you and I, we have to be very vigorous and unapologetic about contending for New Testament truth and New Testament theology and recognizing in walking this out, heaven is about Jesus. Your faith is about who? Jesus. It's about Jesus. Only Jesus. Everything about Jesus. All centered around Jesus. 
and we need to recognize it. So this next statement, this is your, this is your phrase on your, on your card, first statement. I want you to look at this, and I want you to think about what it says. Just evaluate the words as you see them on the screen. Look, them, look at them on your, on your card. It is so true. God's kingdom is not built on your religious devotion to him. God's kingdom is built on his love for you. How many of you know that you're loved by God? Can I just see, raise your hand if you are loved by God. How many of you know he doesn't love you because you're so doggone lovable? He loves you because he's so doggone loving. And we need to alleviate the feeling that we have to do something special to earn the love of God so that it's fully applied to our lives. That's just not the truth. You're fully known, you're fully loved, nothing more. And we read, this goes on Galatians 2 in the second chapter, he says, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. You hear what he's addressing? Because the works of the law, because because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So mercy, this alleviation of what we deserve, grace, the application of what Jesus deserves, begins to show up in the text of the book of Galatians over and over and over again. We are more sinful and flawed than we care to believe. I'm waiting for everybody to identify with the statement. We are more sinful and flawed than we care to believe. We are more accepted and loved than we can possibly imagine. It's a really important statement. Write it in your blank. You want to make sure you, this is something to rehearse this week. This is something to write down, to journal, to put it in your Bible, to go back to it over and over again, to share with friends and family members. Everybody can identify. We are more sinful and flawed than we care to believe. We are accepted and loved more so than we can possibly imagine. We are fully known. We are fully loved. Nothing more. So what I want to do... with our remaining moments together is I want to address why some of us in the room identify with the first part of that statement, we're more sinful and flawed than we care to believe, than maybe others in the room. Who in the room comes from a worse background, a more broken past than most people in the room? Raise your hand. Your past is more broken than most people in the room. Um, I haven't talked about Barb in a long time, but uh, she had shared her story with me. Her two daughters were sitting with her in church. This was years ago. And I got up and just started saying, I'm so thankful that Jesus changed Barb Garrett's life. When you call Destiny, hi, Destiny Christian Center, this is Barb. She's so awesome. You know, if you need to be encouraged and get a smile on your face, just go talk to Barb. But what you may not realize is she used to deal cocaine. She, like, was a a manizer. Is that a word? I mean, she was trying to find fulfillment in her life. Uh, You know, I mean, it it was crazy when she was telling this, this. And I thought this was like open forum conversation when she was telling me that. But her daughters had never heard her story. And so in church, I'm standing. I'm saying all this stuff, and they're like, Mom, 
<laughs> so who identifies with being sinful and flawed? Who, who really identifies with that? Who thinks you might be the most sinfully flawed person in the room? Let's just see. All right, I see. Yeah. There's about 10 of us would say. I'm going to rock your theology. Luke chapter 7, verse 40. It'll start at 41. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500, the other owed him 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus said, you're right. So let me ask you, the people with a bigger debt forgiven, you need to, you, you're going to need to plug into me because I'm going to have to dispel something in your thinking and you're locking in, going in a direction that is not correct most likely. Because we tend to have faulty theology in the New Testament church in the generation in which you and I live. For some reason, there are just so many things that have been embraced erroneously. And I want to expose this very carefully. I want to teach the scripture very precisely today as I talk about this. How many of you would agree, Jesus said it, so it's true. Whoever has the greatest sin surely carries the deepest love. How many believe that's true? I mean, Jesus said it. Whoever has the greatest sin surely carries the deepest love. So here's the reality. I, I, I had a conversation with somebody once, and they said um, they knew my past, that I'd you know, been involved in drugs and things that I'd done. <clears throat> and they said, uh, man, I wish I had your past. Because you just really love God. And maybe if I had gone through some of the stuff you went through, I'd have such a cool relationship with God. And, and then they said, it's not fair that you've been redeemed from all of that and are before God like I am. To which I responded, it's not fair that you didn't have to go through all the pain that I went through to get where you are. James chapter 2, verse 10, and I want you to hear this. It says, For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Are you processing what I'm saying? How many of you ladies in this room have been delivered from prostitution? Raise your hand, all of you. I know, that's weird. Like, what? You, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to go through it to be delivered from it. How many ladies in this room have been delivered from the shame of abortion? That's all of us. How many of you men in the room have been delivered from the shame of abortion? Maybe a girlfriend. Guys? I'm asking all of you to raise your hand. You know why? Because you don't have to go through it to be delivered from it. You've been delivered from everything that you could possibly face. And 
When you made one mistake, you became completely guilty of all. That means if you made 10,000 mistakes, you are just as guilty as the person who made just one mistake. <clears throat> See, you're totally sinful outside of Christ. You just maybe didn't know it before I started having this conversation with you. The problem is, the more broken our past tends to be, the more in touch we tend to be with our desperate need for Christ. But everybody in the room is equally desperately in need of Jesus. So when I say to you, he who's been forgiven more has a greater capacity to love, what I'm saying to you is he who gets it, she who gets it, that you were completely sinfully flawed and now you're completely, totally redeemed. It is the realization of your sinful state that deepens your revelation of God's love. I don't want to spin a plate. God is doing a work in you right now. Some of you, when I said earlier, the need to perform is born from deep insecurity. Some of you in the room, that struck you correctly. And you need to be healed from that. There's the curse of capability. And the more capable you tend to be, the more problematic this issue is in your life. Because you can fix things, you can take care of things, you've got the ability. People look to you for answers, and you become self-sufficient. And it's a very dangerous thing to do. And what it does is it begins to perpetuate security because results have a voice. We talked about this in our community group leaders meeting recently. Results have a voice, and the results speak. And their voice sounds a lot like a critic. Because once you win the state championship, those results now have a voice for the next season when you start training and preparing for the state championship and you feel a sense of great pressure and if you don't win you're criticized because well you, we won last year Holy Spirit I just know that you're doing some deep things I, I, I see I sense right now uh, some cracks starting to happen in what have been impenetrable places of our lives but his word is going deep into those places to do an incredible, incredible work. Incredible, incredible work. So Lord, I pray that you would reach down within us. Reach down within us, Lord. Jesus' name. Would you just stand in a posture of surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ today? Reach down, Lord. Reach into our hearts, reach into our lives, reach into our minds, reach into our emotions, reach into our dysfunction, reach into our insecurities, reach into the areas of our lives. Right now, I believe if you'll just respond to Him, He'll begin to do a supernatural work deep within your life, but you've got to be willing to respond to Him. You've got to be willing to respond in your own heart. Your heart.
has this incredible capacity to open the gate to God or close the gate. I just say, let's open the gates. Lift up your head, O ye gates, that the King of glory may come in, Psalms 24 declares. Have your way, Lord, deep within our lives. There are places within us that God wants to heal. It's the drive of the deeper things that causes a person to be locked into pornography. It's the drive of deeper things that cause people to be locked in to patterns that hold their lives captive. It's a drive to something deeper that will never be fulfilled by the pattern we exhaust. Therefore, we keep exhausting the pattern to a greater degree, never really addressing the drive and God's trying to reach down into those deeper places. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to come, become more of who you've called us to become. In Jesus' name. So I want us just to take in, to go into a little bit of uh, worship, where we just posture ourselves before Him. And I, I, wanna, I want you to think about this with me um, as we prepare in that direction. How many of you have ever taken your car into the shop because it was doing something, and then when you got it before the mechanic, it stopped doing it? How many of you that's happened before? And then you left the mechanic and it started doing it again. How many of that's happened before? And then you had to make another appointment and go back and get the car in front of the mechanic. And when it acted up and showed it had a problem in front of the mechanic, finally, has this happened to anybody? Then like you are so relieved, like you're rejoicing. Isn't it funny that you would rejoice that your car had a problem? But the reason you're rejoicing is because it was having a problem in the presence of the one who could fix it. right now you're in the presence of the one who can reach deep within your soul and do a restoring work that only he can do I'm just telling you I need this in me I need not to strive so much I need not to I need not to allow myself to be in so so much control I, I, I just I need him to do a deep work in me. Somewhere along the way, you know, those things start to creep in on our lives. So, Lord, I pray that as we worship, just in these few moments, that we would pour ourselves out before the Lord our God, empty ourselves. Lord, we know that fullness always begins with emptiness. So help us to empty ourselves that we would be filled. Jesus, you came to redeem all humanity. We know, we recognize today you're the Savior of the world. We need your redeeming love. If you believe that, say amen. Come on, we agree Jesus is Lord. Take us deeper, we pray, as we enter in, Lord, to a place and a posture of seeking you.